I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to a Cinematic Universe pitch episode, I guess. I'm your host, Joe Cunningham, and joining me to bridge the gap or fill in the gaps from our last, I don't know, five episodes are... <laughs> Sir Patrick and James Hunt. So yeah, we have because of Comic Con and new releases and holidays and all all sorts, we've missed a few minisodes. And um, because of that, whilst we have managed to keep up on the news between that Comic Con episode, which had all of the news and the main episodes, uh, we've fallen behind on pitches. We have three pitches to catch up on, um, and it's not a huge news week, so we're gonna we're gonna blast through a couple of news items, and then we are going to uh, we're gonna get our pitch on. But yeah, so uh, pitch special this week. We will begin though with the news. And guys, what I thought is, I'm just rather than discuss the news, I'm gonna give you like little mini pitches uh, to respond to each of them with. So the first piece of news is that. It looks now pretty certain that James Gunn is not going to be returning to direct Guardians of the Galaxy 3. It was rumoured for a while that he might have done, uh, or that he might be due to, but he had a meeting with Alan Horn, the head of Disney, which was described as a courtesy meeting, uh, which Kevin Feige did not attend. So it looks like it, James Gunn and the mcu are done professionally so um <laughs> i've got a pitch for each of you whoever jumps in can take the one that they prefer one what does disney do from here Two, what does james gunn do from here in an in an ideal world so what does disney do with the guardians of the galaxy franchise what does james gunn i do mean I, coming off of this? i know exactly what james gunn should do and that is take as much money as warner will give him to make green lantern core which is something that um even dc fanboys and the internet seem to be keen on i I mean mean, it's it's a no green lantern core omega men there there's your dc guardians of the galaxy right there (laughs) i mean if because that's a blank canvas to to do what what you did with guardians if warner could stretch to putting omega men on on film fair enough but i think green lantern core is the the likely one because you know they've announced it but they have no one attached to it and that's, I, I did, and that's a I movie did they see, will make yeah mm-hmm. I, I did see someone suggest today that it'd be good to see him do a, a jli movie but i'm not sure i'd want to see the martian manhunter call black canary a whore so maybe not that so seb what should disney do from here with the guardians franchise um 
I've, I've managed to forget what the really good suggestion I saw that wasn't Taika Waititi was, because, you know, giving it to Taika Waititi and sort of making or get also another Thor movie does seem the obvious choice. And then someone made a really good suggestion, uh, and it was ages ago, so I've forgotten what it was now, because, uh, let's face it, a lot has happened since <laughs> then. My, my pitch is still Lord and Miller, because they are famous for taking situations that look like would be an absolute nightmare and are a no-win scenario, and pulling oh, what some... about Ron Howard? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you get both in this scenario if Disney hire Lord and Miller, so it's yeah. fine. Yeah, why would you want Lord and Miller to be hired when you know that all that means is that they're going to get fired six months later? <laughs> <laughs> I don't foresee them working with You just Disney love seeing again. them get those sweet, sweet payoffs, don't you? Well, I don't know, because that de- decreases our Marvel check, you know. <laughs> Disney can only afford to pay out so much. Yeah, there's only so much Marvel coin to go around. <laughs> okay, um, I'm going to stay on a related note here. Um, it's not so much news, more than a rumour that has resurfaced that has persisted for quite a while. And that is the rumour linking Tom Cruise with a role in Green Lantern Corps, the movie that James was just talking about. Um, I think these rumours have probably been reignited by the huge, the, the incredible reception and the huge box office that Mission Impossible Fallout um, has received in the past month. Um, and so I've got my two pitches for you here. Uh, one, who sh- how do you fit Tom Cruise best into a Green Lantern Corps movie? And two, if you can give Tom, if you could give Tom Cruise any superhero role. Like at any point in his career, what what would that be? I mean, I I have no idea about Tom Cruise's suitability for any other role, but definitely, if you're going to put him in a Green Lantern Corps movie, he should be an old Green Lantern, possibly an old Hal Jordan. Yeah, and he's you know the the retiring statesman Green Lantern, and then Carl Rayner is the actual one, or John Stewart. I would actually have him be Kyle Rayner. I would I would mix things up. The asshole. And have Kyle is it, is Rayner. Kyle the asshole? Who's the asshole? It's not. It's not. No, no. That's Guy Gardner. Ah, okay. Um, <laughs> he, he wouldn't suit Guy Gardner. He's 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 not that kind of asshole. Um, I think he would suit if you took more what Kyle was like in the nineties when he was the the young kind of cool, impetuous, annoying character that Garth Ennis did a very good lampoon of in a couple of issues <laughs> of Hitman. Um, if you take specifically that version of Kyle and have him older, having been a Green Lantern for 20 years or whatever, because um, I, I I just think... Well, firstly, I, I don't think Tom Cruise is right for Hal Jordan, really. Um, and secondly, well, actually, no, I can't say. I, mean, I was going to say, like, not he, only he did famously play a yeah, pilot. Not only is he right for Hal Jordan, he famously <laughs> was a fighter pilot. I don't know. I think, yeah, I don't know. I just think it's, yeah, I, I, I think it's just, do we need to do Hal Jordan again? And it's always, it always seems to be Hal Jordan in that role of he's the one who was the Green Lantern for a while. Heck, well, you know, if you're going to have someone who's an elder statesman Green Lantern, why not make it be Alan Scott? But my point is with Carl Rayner... Is I can think of tends... at least one good reason why Tom Cruise wouldn't want to play Alan Scott. Why? Because Alan Scott's gay, right? Oh, no, oh, oh only in... Uh... Only in more recent continuity, but well, yeah, quite. Was, yeah, but they can't was, yeah. de-gay him for a film, especially not with Tom Cruise yeah. in the role. Um, well, yeah, okay, but um, no, I mean, I, I just think, I think it's worth remembering that that Kyle Rayner is a character who is like about twenty-five years old now, 
Um, you know, he's not the young kid new Green Lantern anymore. There have been other newer, younger Green Lanterns brought in since then. So I'd like to see Tom Cruise as the retiring Kyle Rayner and get, um, <laughs> like, I don't know, um, Riz Ahmed to play Baz or so, Simon Baz or something like that, you know. I mean, I support Riz Ahmed as Baz, but also... Kyle Rayner, I think Tom Cruise is too old to play any version of Kyle Rayner still. Like, we've never seen Kyle Rayner be, like, pushing 50. No, but that's about I'm saying. You you mix it up a bit. <laughs> <laughs> you you know, these films do change details. And I think changing <laughs> and a detail and, much... and having Kyle Rayner already having been a Green Lantern is slightly more interesting than doing Hal Jordan again. I kind of think they've, well, they've had Batman, an old Batman, so it's. I feel like they might not do that <laughs> twice. Yeah, and just to check you guys, you, you were all running under the assumption that Jon Stewart is played by, by Idris Elba. Because if the internet has taught me anything this past week, it's there. There is one black actor, and yeah. and and he must yeah, get the roles. I, I love this. This. The, I mean, you know, it's it's not our usual topic, but the 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 fun thing about all the Idris Elba as James Bond stuff was nobody seeming. Well, no, some James. Some people did seem to realize, but the people suggesting him not realizing that if you cast Idris Elba as James Bond now, he would be the oldest ever first James Bond movie, <laughs> not counting like you know uh, the Casino Royale actors. I think some people. Really, I, I, I think there is a justification. I think you can, you can make the argument for it. Um, yeah, but I just, I just don't buy into it. <laughs> I just don't, I just don't particularly buy into that argument um, because I don't want any James Bond to only stick around for one or two films. I'd like them to at least get to three, ideally to four or five. And ideally, the next James Bond should be somebody who we haven't really heard of. I mean, that yeah, that would be cool. <laughs> Someone who's desperate to not have a career. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't get into Bond right now. Uh, what about the other question? <laughs> Going back to Tom Cruise, is there any like? Is there because uh, I I don't know if I've spoken about this on the podcast. Um, in preparation for Mission Impossible Fallout, which um, obviously came out quite a while ago in the UK now, but that uh, came out while I was on holiday, and then when I returned from holiday, I needed to see Ant Man and the Wasp, and so then decided to save. Mission Impossible Fallout for my birthday, which was earlier in the week, and um, <laughs> then picked up a sickness bug, which has written off my birthday and the rest of the week, and have still not seen Mission Impossible Fallout. But in preparation for that, I watched all of the other Mission Impossible movies, and then decided to go through Tom Cruise's back catalogue and watch every Tom Cruise movie that I've not seen. So this past month, I've been pretty heavy on Tom Cruise, and I was sat there thinking, I wonder what superhero Tom Cruise would have been perfect for at like at any stage in his career like interview with the vampire tom cruise you could imagine gambit i think um i don't like top gun tom cruise you can uh, any cocky asshole superhero basically the hal jordan <laughs> the, 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 uh, ryan, the ryan reynolds hal jordan but i was wondering if you if i mean james you don't know him that well but seb I mean, is there, I, any, I should is there tell anyone you, who I like, think Cruise has been a fit for? For for a long time, Tom Cruise was going to be Tony Stark in, I think, when New Line had mm. the Iron Man franchise. Yeah. And you was, could see that working. That he ages, was, yeah, he? it was a real, like, it was, it was on the, it was, well, in the papers, certainly, in the comics press as a thing that was going to happen. I mean, now you... The late 90s, was it? Now... Robert Downey Jr. is the only person you can imagine in that role. But uh, as soon I, as they I announced Robert Downey Jr., I was like, this is the most perfect piece of casting ever. 
I mean, you say he's the only person you can imagine in the role, and he is now. But equally, yeah. when Alex Ross drew him as Timothy Dalton in Marvels, that was pretty <laughs> perfect as well. Oh God, yes, I would. Love and Tom Selleck in the eighties as well. <laughs> he just was. I, th- I think there's a. I think there's a lot of Tony Starks in the world. <laughs> it's just that since yeah, once it's they, hard to once get past they put that. Robert Downey Jr. in. That's it. You know, yeah, um, but before then, I think it was fairly open. I always thought Dominic Cooper, like playing Howard Stark, you can imagine him doing a version of Tony Stark as well. Mm. Okay, uh, so final piece of news, uh, James. This is probably more one for you than uh, Seb. The trailer for season two of Iron Fist <laughs> debuted online this week, and this is less of a pitch and more of a question: Why? <laughs> Because Netflix doesn't care about quality, it only cares about ratings. And enough idiots, myself included, watched the first Iron Fist. So I watched that trailer, um, which I wouldn't have done if we weren't doing the podcast. But I watched the trailer and I was thinking as I was watching it, I was like, so, so okay, so they're introduced Davos, who was in the first season, is coming back and is going to be playing steel serpent like properly the antagonist this time around and davos was one of the aspects of the first season that i liked more than most of the other aspects yeah and i always the the thing that i thought about the first season of iron fist was if this show acknowledged that danny is a shit super is a shit entitled white guy who doesn't deserve to be the superhero and actually there is someone who's a better fit out there to be the iron fist it would be amazing. It's just the show's not aware of that, and you can't do that with a Marvel property called Iron Fist. <laughs> I was going to but- say, as you were saying that, my thought was, as someone who doesn't watch the show, has the show ever shown any indication that it would ever do anything like that? I, d- I mean, do you know what? Occasionally, it felt like it was veering so far into, God, look how shit and entitled Danny is. But I, I really don't think so. I think it was just wish fulfillment. But I was watching this trailer and going... There's a version of this show that this tra- <laughs> that this trailer is pre- presenting where Davos turns up, gets the power of the Iron Fist, fights Danny while while they both have the power, and actually proves himself to be more responsible and actually more what the Iron Fist should be. Um, I mean, if the, if I find out that that's what season two of the show has done, then fair play, the ballsiest season of superhero TV ever. Um, <laughs> somehow, I doubt it. I mean, there is there is some stuff in that trailer that I kind of like the look of, which is that there's there's an indication that maybe a previous Iron Fist is going to be explored. Um, could be Orson Randall. But it, it sort of makes me think they're going to delve more into the mythology of the Iron Fist and contextualize Danny against the previous ones, which is kind of what is needed. Like the the fact that in Defenders they had Stick turn up and call him the dumbest Iron Fist ever suggests that they're at least slightly aware of how they pitch that character slightly wrong. And yeah, but at the end of correcting de- it. At the end of Defenders they they made him punch the door. Yeah, he was the the dumbest Iron Fist ever. <sighs> yeah. Um I don't know, I just I just remember season one, James. <laughs> every time every I know, time that's I was the watching problem, the trailer. Right? Same, I, same guy. Yeah. Oh, is it the same guy? Because he went and did Inhumans, didn't he? So maybe it's a different show, really? And to be Maybe. fair, when when Danny turned up in Luke Cage, it was quite fun. I I trust that it was. I there's a good well. There's a thing where he like he walks around and everyone he meets, he tries to tell them his origin, and they all like cut him off, being like, "We we don't care." <laughs> he is the Iron Fist. Yeah, it's quite funny. 
The yeah. thing, actually, the thing I found really funny in the trailer, which is something I've tweeted about, is there's a quote where he says, I didn't ask for the Iron Fist. And it's like, you literally went through an extremely protracted optional process <laughs> to get the Iron Fist ahead of other people who wanted it. Like, technically, you didn't ask for it, but you definitely signaled your intent to get hold of it. And is he capable of giving it away? I... I cannot tell you whether whether that's possible in the world of the TV show. I don't think it's possible in the comics, but also anything's possible if you've got the right story, right? So Fair enough. Okay, it's not, well, traditionally, it's not something that gets transferred from person to person. It's you are the Iron Fist until you die, and then they make a new one. There's no reason they couldn't make two at the same time, I guess. I think I pass caring. I mean, Davos has a red Iron Fist, so that's cool, right? Yeah, that is cool. Fast. Red means fast, so that would be faster. (laughs) Uh, Okay, uh, we'll move on now to the pitch segment, and we have three pitches to go through. Now, this first one was initially going to pose somewhat of a problem, because it came about from our Incredibles 2 episode, in which I asked... um, I asked uh, Seb and, and Gary, who was on the podcast at the time, uh, to put Screenslaver into a Marvel or DC movie. Because I thought, hey, Screenslaver was pretty cool, but wasn't the actual villain. But I would like to see that villain in a proper superhero context. James, you have since seen Incredibles 2. Yeah. Where, where, remind me of where it fell in your animated movie rankings from, from the past year or so. Because you watch a lot of them with your daughter, don't you? That is correct. For me, it fell between uh, the Jungle Book remake and My Little Pony the movie, which (laughs) is quite far down the list. And I imagine from a superhero context, above the Lego Batman movie, but below Teen Titans Go to the Movies? You have nailed it completely. (laughs) Where does it compare to Moana? Moana is top of the list. (laughs) Of course it is. I'll just do the whole list just quickly. Moana, Zootopia slash Zootropolis... Teen Titans Go, uh, Ballerina, which is called Leap in the US, Sing Despicable Me 3, Smurfs The Lost Village, Jungle Book, Incredibles 2, My Little Pony, Lego Batman, Secret Life of Pets, Finding Dory, and then Robinson Crusoe. Okay. Um, on the topic of Moana, I, for my birthday, got a uh, t-shirt that says Consider the Coconut. thoroughly look forward to wearing it in public um okay so um said because james has talked for the last couple of minutes of the podcast i'm gonna let you go first no shit which is good because i would have been very angry if james got to go first and thus win this pitch because we're both going to say the same thing and so one of us is going to have to change it and if James got to win it and go first after having A, not seen the film at the time of the podcast, and B, not even liked the film, um, uh, there would have been uproar. So um, the answer to your question is Tony Stark. So in, so you put Screenslaver into Iron Man 4? Put, put Screenslaver, yeah, just in, in into an Iron Man movie. Okay. Any movie with Iron Man in that he can be an Iron Man villain, but because it's it's because of the fact that obviously he is so. I keep saying he when we know that obviously it's a proxy of a female character, but if we are imagining Screen Slaver as a a real villain, uh, he or she, 
um, is that kind of anti-corporate and more specifically anti-media and anti-screens and, and screen technology figure. And it's a side of the, the Stark empire that's not really been explored as much in the movies, um, but in the Marvel Comics universe, I don't know how long it's been the case, probably pretty much as long as iPhones have been around, but in the Marvel Comics universe, you don't have iPhones. Everyone has a Stark phone. Um, and, you know, the, the Stark as a tech giant extends into consumer technology. So it's a pretty natural fit that if you've got a supervillain who is against consumer media technology, they would run up against Tony Stark. I like and it. We haven't really had Stark against a good tech villain yet. So, yeah. James, did you have Tony Stark? No, and I'm quite surprised because oh. Seb was <laughs> sure we were going to have the same very obvious choice. Well, <laughs> now okay. I'm like, I thought we were oh. going to have the same. So I wonder what you're very... Because I couldn't think of anything else. Okay, so... Tony Stark. Wow, that's blown that one wide. For me, I'm, I'm sure you'll pick it up as soon as I start talking. But for me, the obvious one is that screen slaver would be uh, a character from the mojo verse because mojo is an x-men villain who was conceived as a parody of marvel's management at the time uh parody slash satire i should say uh which was a movie company and there was like mojo was obsessed with turning the x-men into uh, like an entertainment franchise making sort of action figures and movies out of them uh, and specifically, because Marvel's owner was a media company at the time, um, I forget the name. I should know because I've just been reading a book about it. But uh, I think it was um, Entertainment 720. I'm going to have to trust you on that. <laughs> it's a parts I, and recreation joke, never mind. I definitely didn't get that <laughs> reference, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so the way I see it is Screenslaver is, is one of Mojo's uh, underlings, you know, using entertainment to uh, enslave the masses. The X-Men get caught up in it and have to stop him. And particularly the thing that they should be doing with it is making Mojo and Screenslaver a, a satirical um, reference to Marvel Studios. <laughs> and that's your story, is Fox versus Marvel, but with the approval of the the parent company okay uh i i have an important question to ask um at this at this stage of proceedings seb who's directing your movie well that wasn't part of the question no i just i'm 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 I'm, hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I'm curious. Um... I give you a clue. If the last director returns, I'm on board. <laughs> Shane Black. Yeah. Okay. So um, Seb wins that pitch. Hey, James, hey, hey. James, James here's directing my, mine. Here, well, no. Here's my problem with yours, James. I think the screenslaver would actually, from what you're saying, be an antagonist of the Mojo people, right? 
And so actually what you're pitching, I think, if, if it's in the Mojoverse, is that it is a anti-hero movie with the screen slaver as the hero. No, no, no. He's working for Mojo. Like, enslaving people with entertainment is Mojo's MO. Yeah, but they, but he but Screenslaver hates the superheroes. He hates the superheroes. He doesn't hate enslaving people. <laughs> but he's enslaving the people watching the superheroes rather than the superheroes, right? Yeah, because c- they're the ones he hates, like people who worship superheroes. That's that's how you do a commentary against Marvel Studios with him. By the way, I just I've I've pulled up. I feel like a sorry. Go on. <laughs> yeah, go on. Go on, Seth. No, I was just gonna say I I feel like a character who. Uh, is designed to directly insult the audience. Is is not going to go down brilliantly. <laughs> Did you not see the last Deadpool movie? <laughs> and by that character, do you mean Deadpool? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I was just I was just looking on IMDb um, to see the screenslavers quote in full, which I don't think was up there before. And can I just read this because this 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 quote is. It's incredible, Screenslaver's speech. And you think about, like, if they'd have just presented this as a trailer, or as as I was kind of suggesting here, the the, the separate movie that you could make just based on this character and his tirade here. The Screenslaver interrupts this program for an important announcement. Don't bother watching the rest. Elastigirl doesn't save the day. She only postpones her defeat. And while she postpones her defeat, you eat chips and watch her invert problems that you are too lazy to deal with. Superheroes are part of a brainless desire to replace true experience with simulation. You don't talk, you watch talk shows. You don't play games, you watch game shows. Travel, relationships, risk... Every meaningful experience must be packaged and delivered to you to watch at a distance so that you can remain ever sheltered, ever passive, ever ravenous consumers who can't free themselves to rise from their couches, to break a sweat, never anticipate real life. You want superheroes to protect you and make yourselves even more powerless in the process. While you tell yourselves yourselves you're being looked after, that you're inches from being served and all of your rights being upheld so that the system can keep stealing from you, smiling at you all the while, go ahead, send your supers to stop me. Grab your snacks, watch your screens, and see what happens. You are no longer in control. I am. Holy shit, that's in a Pixar movie. Right? Yeah, but it's also, it's in a Pixar movie, and they're doing their best to distract you from actually listening to it. Because, <laughs> like, that whole sequence that's, is yes, Elastigirl trying to track him down. It's reminiscent of the start of uh, Wall-E, when they're doing all the by-and-large stuff, and um, you're, you're going, hmm... By and large, doesn't seem a million miles away from a global conglomerate like, say, <laughs> Disney. <Yeah. laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, Seb wins the first pitch of this week. Uh, we'll move I'm on. I'm amazed that you didn't say Tony Stark, James. Just a character <laughs> who a controls people through the TV. Like, it couldn't be anyone other than Mojo. Yeah, but look at who we're pitching to. You yeah. always have to consider that. Yeah. I'll lo- take my vindication from the audience. <laughs> <laughs> As I have been doing with the Ant-Man 2 issue. Oh, we're going to put that to it. By the time this episode comes out, we may already have put this to a poll. I'm loving that people are actually alternately <laughs> siding with you and Joe, and I'm going to put it to a poll. Uh, I am. I think this, as, as the one who sits in the middle, I, I'm, in, I'm sitting there with my popcorn enjoying this one. No, I'm confidently predicting that James will win that vote 52 to 48%. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so the second pitch on this episode, I can't even remember what uh, episode this came from. What did we do after Incredibles 2? Spider-Man, Spider-Man 3. 3. 3. Yeah, of course, what an episode. Um, I wanted you to to add a villain into a pre-existing superhero movie 
but to make it better. So um, obviously that was based on kind of the idea that Spider-Man 3 is overstuffed with villains. Um, and our, our assertion that that wasn't actually the problem with the movie and, and that you could probably throw a villain into a superhero movie and make it a little bit better. So uh, James, we'll come to you first this time. Throw a villain into a pre-existing superhero movie. Someone that already exists. Uh, I would put the Winter Soldier into Captain America too. <laughs> I'm just, I'm joking. I'm just fucking with you. Um, you actually got what you were doing there, and it was good. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, the only like I really struggled for this to try and think for someone. I the only one I think I could. Uh, you know, the only one I think needs to happen is I think Sabretooth should have been in Logan because oh. that character is quite closely tied to Wolverine and it's the, the arc it's of those the... characters needed some resolution and that was the place to do it. I mean, and it's such an obvious swap, isn't it? You just take out the clone and you put in... Yeah, X-24 should have been Sabretooth. And I think there you go. we we must have discussed this on the episode at the time that quite possibly that the the metaphor okay yeah on a metaphorical sense it it computes fine but mm-hmm. it was it, it's the one thing from X Men Origins Wolverine that you're like do you know what I think you can salvage that yep <laughs> yeah uh, alas Slayer Schreiber had to return to uh, narrate another <laughs> season of Hard Knocks instead. Um, <laughs> Seb, that's going to be a tough one to beat. It is a tough one to beat. I'm, I'm actually glad James has come up with a good one because uh, I was thinking he was going to need a good one to counteract the fact that by putting a villain in one movie, I am improving two movies. Oh. <laughs> I am taking Hela out of Thor Ragnarok and putting her in Thor The Dark World. Oh, that is good as well. So Thor The Dark World tells the Hela story from Ragnarok in full, giving it the full film that it deserves and giving you your darker tone and having it be Hela who kills Freya and all of that stuff. Um, And then you get Ragnarok without the Asgard stuff in and just the pure joy of the uh, Sakaar stuff for most of the entirety of Ragnarok. You'd probably need to find something else to put in. Yeah, I was going to say, what are the stakes? Um, (laughs) (laughs) But the principle of Hela doesn't really work in Ragnarok and would work absolutely brilliantly if she was the focus of the attention in the Dark World. So, there you go. I mean, aren't you just going to ruin Hela by putting her in the Dark World, though? No, because it would be a better film. Malekith is not ruined by being... In, I mean, Dark World is the worst MCU film, but I don't think the problems... I think Malekith is part of the problem. He's not a symptom of the problem. <laughs> and I think if you put a better villain in and a, and an actor who is actually engaged with the material, um, you've immediately <laughs> solved one of its biggest problems. Don't you like Elvish? <laughs> All right, Elvish this freshly. Is... <laughs> Oh dear. Uh, this is difficult because I'm going to ignore the I'm going to ignore the the Ragnarok problem because I guess you can just <laughs> maybe Goldblum gets to go properly villain at the I end do, of that. I do just want to point out a small technicality, which is that the pitch was not replace a villain in a film; it was add a villain. So what you've actually uh, pitched is the Dark World. Ah uh, no, but you've replaced uh, you've used Sabretooth to replace the clone in Logan. So <laughs> you've uh, the clone in, in Logan. Fact, you saying that is what made me realise that I could get <laughs> breaking the same. <laughs> to be fair, so. my pitch until Joe suggested that my pitch was going to be 
Wolverine defeats Sabretooth and then fights the clone. But Joe, Joe, as the movie executive, took the decision to take <laughs> X24 out. Right. And, and, and as Joe is the movie executive, I'm not questioning his decisions. <laughs> uh, just, just so we can formally agree, your pitch is The Dark World with Malekith and Hela. Guys, guys, stop arguing. Yeah, I, stop arguing. The first five minutes. You need to stop arguing. I'm still firing James Gunn. But on the pitch <laughs> side of things... Um, right, so here's what I'm going to base my decision on. Uh, they're both really good. W- at the end of the day, I think you probably improve both movies an equal amount. But I'm... I I still probably don't want to watch Thor the Dark World even with a better villain in because <laughs> of all because J- of all the other bad a, stuff James in there. James made a good movie better. I've made a bad movie tolerable. Yeah, so. yeah, <laughs> and, and also potentially made a really good movie better. But that's more that's more of a question mark. I and what what I have done is add a little bit of jeopardy to this final pitch, which, <laughs> <laughs> which is also what I thought you were gonna. That was I thought that was gonna be your reason. I mean, I, I, I was I mean I was hoping your pitch was gonna be crap, Seb. But I think actually. <laughs> I think actually James slightly edges it. Um, so we go to our final pitch, which came from the last episode, which was the fantastic Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, and uh, obviously we had Ant-Man, followed by a sequel, Ant-Man and the Wasp. My pitch for you guys was to add a female superhero to the title of another superhero franchise. Um, and yes, yeah, Seb, we'll come back to you first for the final pitch. So my pitch is a means by which I think we can get Daredevil into the movies by uprooting him from uh, his New York setting and continuity from the TV show and establishing him oh, in a good. new standalone Daredevil movie. Oh, it's good. Um, but in order to give him that fresh start, let's move him out of New York and move him over to the West Coast. Um, now, James will know, Joe may not be aware, that this is something that's happened with Daredevil a couple of times before, uprooting him and moving him to San Francisco. Um, and the first time that it happened, uh, he was partnered up with the Black Widow while he was there. Mm-hmm. Um now, I'm not actually proposing a Daredevil and Black Widow movie for the simple reason that um, I don't want to relegate Black Widow to being an and in a movie. Uh, you know, she's at that point where she needs to have a standalone movie that is her own movie. Mm. Um, I'm also not certain about um, putting it in San Francisco because Ant-Man, the Ant-Man films. I, f- I, did, I thought for a second that Daredevil and the Wasp was where you were going. And, and I didn't, <laughs> I, I'll be honest, I didn't hate it. And I was already, no, I, I was I'm already shipping that. them. Uh, but, 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 well, we can, we'll, we'll, let's park that and we'll come back to it. <laughs> um, so instead I'm going to send him to LA because we haven't got anyone in the MCU in LA at the moment, have we? Everyone have we is in either New York or, or I mean, San Francisco. Iron Man. Is he in California? His house is in LA, right? I've, is he? Uh, I mean, I thought, it was in Iron Man Three. Might be in. I might be in Malibu. I don't think he might be on the west. Coast. And that house, that house died a death in Iron Man yeah. Three. I think he's. I think <laughs> well, we can. We we have to assume from Avengers: Infinity War that he is currently New York based. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Pitching West Coast we, Avengers, Seb. Uh, I, I'm going to come to that. <laughs> <laughs> so we send Daredevil over to uh, LA. 
And while he's in LA and he's setting up legal practice there, um, he what he ends up getting quite involved in is, is actually uh, entertainment law because that's obviously you know a big thing over there. Um, and he runs up in a court case against a hotshot lawyer named Jennifer Walters. Um, and this is what leads us to our Daredevil and She-Hulk movie. So you have the twin purpose of you're setting up Daredevil. You're also bringing in She-Hulk into the MCU, which we all know needs to happen. And while they've never really been paired up as superheroes in the comics, you've obviously had many great instances of courtroom scenes that have involved Matt Murdock and Jennifer Walters, and that's what I would want the movie to really focus on, uh, would be on those identities. (laughs) But it would also be a way to bring She-Hulk in, and it would then lead us quite nicely to them teaming up with Ant-Man and the Wasp to form the West Coast Avengers for a film after that. I would like you to thematically defend putting She-Hulk and Daredevil together they're both lawyers that's not thematically that bit <laughs> yes it is that's it's practically a, law law that's, how, is that's how you get them in the same room yeah why and are they in we, the same room for the story that's the question can we call it daredevil and she hulk colon avocados at law because she hulk is also the avocado colored um, <laughs> if that will help me win yes i will not publicly state what a bad idea i think <laughs> And can we cast Jennifer Connelly as She-Hulk? Because that's my, uh, that is my dream. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Who's it, who you, it, have, you, have you got anyone in mind? No, She-Hulk's been a tricky one. I'm sure I've, I've talked about suggestions in the past, but at the moment, I'm not totally sure. Uh, James, add a female superhero to the title of another superhero franchise. So. It's probably not going to surprise you that I'm going to go with the X-Men again. There's one there's one X-Men film that they've been trying to get made for a long time and it's just it's not taking. There's something something's wrong about it. There's just, you know, the the alchemy isn't there. And that's because no one gives a shit about Gambit. <laughs> However, if you pair Gambit up with Rogue, what you suddenly have is as Kelly Thompson has been proving in the comics, you have this kind of sexy, fun, you know, screwball comedy back and forth. Will they, won't they? Can they, can't they? I Set really of... should have. When I got given the chance to go first, I really should have said this just to stop James. <laughs> yeah, because it's such a good idea. So basically, I think if you put those two in a movie, what you have is Mr. and Mrs. Smith with superpowers. It's a lock. I'd see it. It's a perfect date movie. Everyone would see it. And if you cast Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie now, it adds that extra little frisson of tension. <laughs> that extra frisson of tension. <laughs> is that the is that the subtitle? Give me its full title. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd have to take the lead from the comics and and go with Mr. and Mrs. X. Okay. <laughs> but I mean also Jennifer Aniston is the villain. See what you've done there. I see what you've done. <laughs> I also want to point out if you're if you're putting a superhero and superheroine in the title, it doesn't have to come second. My pitch is Rogue and Gambit, not Gambit and Rogue. Well, I mean, yeah, she she is the more famous character to movie audiences. Yes. <laughs> mm. Um I'm I'm kind of annoyed here because I know that I actually 
spent quite a while thinking about this on the way home today and really struggling to find an example. Um, <laughs> and I know that James has not given this as much thought time-wise as I did. On the other hand, with the amount of time that I spent thinking about it, the fact that Rogue and Gambit didn't occur to me in that time <laughs> means that I'm not sure that, that I deserve to complain about James coming up with it on the hoof. Now, James, that I I said to add a female superhero to the title of another superhero franchise, does that constitute you admitting that Gambit is still a thing? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, it's on the slate, right? Uh, Is it? (laughs) It's on someone's slate. (laughs) It might be on Channing Tatum's slate somewhere. I don't like think a, it's on Channing Tatum's slate. I'm pretty sure slate, it's still on... Um, a slate in his house, maybe. It's still on Lauren Shula Donner's desk. I'm sure yeah. of that much. Okay. Possibly covered um, in dust, but... I'm I, I, I'm conflicted about this one again, because I can only imagine that by moving Matt Murdock out to LA, that Kingpin's no longer a villain. Oh, no. we. I mean, the, what this does is it frees up Kingpin to appear in lots of other things with lots of other characters. And who says Yeah, Iron Fist, Luke Cage, you can have him in any Netflix um, show you want. <laughs> Sp- no, Spider-Man King- Far From Home. King- Kingpin's allowed to come into the movies as well. The point is, oh, is that you God, separate yes. them from the New York setting so that you don't have to explain who all the supporting characters are. As a possible bonus consequence of this... Um, you can do what you want with Karen and Foggy in terms of if you want to kill them off, I'm I'm fine with that. I no, I think I no, I don't want to kill anyone off. They can they can keep doing their thing in. Do, do you know what? I, I I don't even I know I said add it to another franchise, but I would you could just put Daredevil played by Charlie Cox in San Francisco and give him a backstory, and that backstory does not necessarily need to correspond with the one that he's got from well, the that's, Netflix that, show. That's the, yeah, that's that's the point, is because of the fact, and it's the it's the Torchwood Doctor Who thing of, you can have Captain Jack reappear in Doctor Who, you just don't explain what he's been doing while he was in Torchwood. So you're, you're suggesting this is kind of like Torchwood then? <laughs> no, I'm suggest- no, I'm suggesting that the, Marv- that the TV show is Torchwood. This is when Captain Jack reappeared in a really, really good Doctor Who episode. <laughs> Listen, I, 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 I've got to make a decision. And ultimately, Seb has once again played into my weaknesses. I love, <laughs> I love Charlie Cox. I really like his Daredevil. And that's in spite of all my other feelings about the Netflix side of the MCU. <laughs> uh, putting, da- putting Daredevil into the movies has been my dream for so long and so uh, i'm gonna have to side with seb and give him the 2-1 win on this pitch episode this is like when andrew won and then said he thought i should have won i was gonna I, say i don't i don't feel aggrieved here. because we all acknowledge that this is a an error by the judge yeah i've been pan- <laughs> i've been pandered to I make, no bo- I make no bones about that and do you know J- james what have we learned time and time again i don't really care about the X-Men or the X-Men that I've, the only X-Men that I've ever cared about <laughs> were on the movie screen. So. See, this is why as soon as you said, as James, as soon as you said the word Mojo, I was like, well, I've won that one because. Oh, I'm, I knew, like, I knew it was a long shot. I've had, uh, no, 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 I, I knew it was I a long shot. That. Um, I got that. <laughs> also, I've just realised that all three of yours were X-Men, James. I do love the X-Men, Sam. I mean, <laughs> it's not a surprise. <laughs> hey, that you went for one for three in that in that case is impressive. <laughs> uh, okay, so that's it for our uh, pitch mini-sode. Um, 
We will be back next week discussing Spawn. We're doing Spawn? <laughs> Is that what we're doing? Yeah, apparently we're doing Spawn. Guys, I've never okay. seen Spawn. Never seen I've it. I've never seen Spawn. I'm still oh, not I'm going to be on that episode, but let's... Uh... <laughs> oh, Seb, come journey into... Todd McFarlane's late nineties. No, I, I think me. I think there's I think there's an interesting thing about us doing Spawn, and it's not necessarily the movie. It's about getting the opportunity to talk about a <laughs> part of comics history that we probably haven't really talked about very much. Yeah, the early nineties. Yeah, I, I I I am intrigued. I am definitely very very intrigued. Um, so yeah, Spawn is our episode next week. Um, so tune back in for that. If you're enjoying the show, then please do subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, uh, Overcast, all of the others, your podcast app of choice. And you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash cinematic universe. You can find more episodes of the show at cinematicuniverse.com. You can get in touch via Facebook on Twitter at cine underscore verse. Or you can send us an email to editorial at cinematicuniverse.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.